Hey y'all, I'm Reese, and welcome to Making Meaning. This week, soft clap because I'm next to the mic, I am going to talk about self-talk. And this is the first podcast episode I've done by myself where I have a topic that I specifically want to discuss and I'm really, really excited about it. Because I was watching a video by a wonderful YouTube creator who goes by Loon and Nate, and she makes these really fabulous ASMR style Reiki healing sessions that are by proxy through YouTube. She's quite lovely and extremely educated about, yes, different like healing arts and healing modalities and energy work, but also about the philosophy and metaphysical thought behind them. If you know anything about me, you know that I'm a big philosophy girly. I really believe in thinking deeply about who we are, why we are the way we are, and what ways that we can become better. And I think that that's a really important part of our journey to make meaning. It is so important that we prioritize our needs, listen to our wants, and set appropriate boundaries. And that is active self-care. And I actually think that the self-care movement gets really dangerous when taking a bubble bath and putting on a face mask is prioritized over learning how to speak up for your needs, right? Over figuring out how to cut negativity out of your life. Not to say that bubble baths and face masks aren't important and that self-care doesn't look different for every person because believe me, I love a bath and I love a face mask and self-care does look different for every single person. And if that is how you are caring for your body and showing yourself that you deserve that time and care and love, that's amazing. But if that is the only way you're practicing self-care and you're not chasing after these bigger things that are going to emotionally, mentally, and then physically weigh you down because all three of those parts of us are connected, I think that it's not quite enough and that self-care if not done properly, can lead us to think that we are doing enough to take care of ourselves when we're not, and that self-care is actually, unfortunately, not as easy as a bubble bath. It's hard work. It is, as Brene Brown says, the hard work and the heart work. So I want to talk a little bit about that and how self-talk comes into play with all of this. So I was watching this YouTube video by Luna Nate, and she was talking about self-love, and she was talking a lot about these themes specifically. Um, And she brought up a couple of different things that I found really powerful. Um, So I've kind of taken inspiration from her and developed my own list of things that I want to talk about. So thank you, Luna Nate. I will link her video down below. Definitely go check out and support her channel. And let's just hop into it. So self-talk and how we are dealing with things inside of our own brain, I think is so important when it comes to our health. Um, I really struggle with this. 
it is so easy for me to wake up in the morning, look in the mirror, and the, for the first thought to be something wrong with the way I look, something wrong with my body, something wrong with the sleep I got last night, like just jumping straight to that. Um, and so I've really been working on that. And as I've been working on that, I've developed a list of things that have been really powerful for me. Yes, some of it is therapy. And I do highly recommend talk therapy and CBT, which is cognitive behavioral behavioral therapy for anyone who hasn't tried it. It may not be for you and that's okay, but I do think it is worth a shot. It has been instrumental in my self-care and my personal growth. And I think especially young women struggle with the way we talk to ourselves. Not to say that young men don't deal with this or that people of all ages deal with this, um, but young women, women identifying people and non-cis people, I think, struggle with this the most just because our bodies are way more at the forefront of who we are by definition. Um, Because non-male people are not the default when it comes to your body. And so it's a lot easier to pay more attention to it. It's a lot easier for society to pay more attention to it. And therefore, it's a lot easier for us to be socialized to critique it more. And those critiques can sometimes be good and come from a place of positivity. But those critiques can also be extremely, extremely damaging. And that's just on the physical front. I think when we're the one in our head talking negatively to ourselves, it also has just crazy impact on our mental health, emotional health. And those are things that we can talk badly about ourselves too. Like, I'm not strong enough. I'm not um, capable enough. I'm not fill in whatever adjective enough, right? And when we are our own worst enemy in our head, we don't get anywhere. We do nothing but set up walls for ourselves and there is nothing, nothing that you could ever do to deserve to be the person telling yourself no. There are too many people places and things out there that will already tell you no, that will already say you are not X enough, but you are enough. And we have to be the ones who are talking to ourselves in that positive way as our number one fans. Not to say give yourself an excuse for everything, right? But be a supporter, be your own teammate. So how are some things that we can do this? How are some things that we can do this? How are some ways that we can do this inside of our own heads, inside of our own brains? One, I'm just going to get this out of the way up front because I think it, it, it has to be addressed, but we've all heard this before. Social media. Obviously, it is a comparison minefield. And I really think the key to unlocking healthy social media use is with the intention behind it. I went through a phase in the middle of high school where I deleted all of my social media 
And then I ended up switching schools and I was like, well, I want to stay in touch with people from my old high school. So I re-downloaded Instagram and it really showed me a lot having cleared out all of these people from my past that were following my old Instagram when I was able to actively choose again who to follow I was like oh I don't have to follow that person who made me doubt myself every time I saw one of their posts on my timeline so if you need to unfollow people that you see their name pop up and it reminds you of something that is negative or brings you down or gets you in your head unfollow them I I really think you should on the other hand Actively follow people whose feeds uplift you. I love following creators like Brene Brown, like The Lunanate, like artists, so I can see inspirational calligraphy and painting and sculpture on my timeline and intersperse stuff that may bring me down with stuff that gives me inspiration. So I think really being intentional with that is one of the best ways we can start to combat negative self-talk. But all that to say, social media is just one aspect of the comparison in our society today. It's just, we needed to talk about it, right? So I would recommend that. But also, if social media just isn't for you, it's not required. If you are like me, a small business owner and you know you need to do it for marketing and branding purposes just be smart about it you know yourself you know what makes you feel good and you know what doesn't so be careful about who you trust your eyeballs and your attention to they're valuable your time energy and eyeballs are valuable and people want them on their stuff so don't let just anyone have them you get to decide who has them Moving forward, um, things to keep in mind, aside from social media, just as we kind of jump into this topic, I am a really big believer in visualizing your highest self and working towards being that person. But I think it's also so important to temper that with saying, visualizing your highest self and wanting to show up as them is not an excuse to judge where you are right now or who you are right now or what you look like right now or how you feel right now. Visualizing your highest self is an exercise that we can all use to inspire and uplift ourselves and see how we are already so much closer to that version of who we want to be right now. And it can be a really great goal setting device as well, but it is not an excuse or justification for beating yourself up. So when you are working on manifesting or goal setting or anything that's kind of in that realm, I really want you to focus on the things you're already doing right and how that makes you feel inspired and full and allowed to take up space. Not someone who is lacking who is falling short, who is not there yet, right? That's the mindset we can back out of. Also, your highest self is never going to judge you. Your highest self is your number one fan. 
right? Because I think the people that we all want to be, I mean, don't let me project my own stuff onto you, but I would like to think the people that we all want to be is someone who does accept ourselves wholeheartedly and accepts the people around us wholeheartedly. I think that's what most people's best selves would do. Need a quick water break. (sighs) Talking a lot really does dry out your mouth. It's crazy. Okay, other thing to keep in mind, being present in the moment is just always a good thing. So yes, you can push forward to visualizing your highest self and you can also work back in time and think about your inner child and love on yourself the way that your inner child deserves to be loved on. I think those are really powerful tools, but time will always meet us right where we are here. Trying to be present as we are in the overlap of the past, present, and future. The person that we are right now is simply an amalgamation of everything that we have been and will be. And when you think of who you are in this moment, in that grand light that the universe had to perfectly conspire to get you where you are right now, that you are made up of the same stuff as the stars, as Cleopatra, as the pyramids, as Easter Island heads, and the Washington Monument, and your mom, and your childhood best friend, and Taylor Swift, right? Like, we are all so ancient, and so everlasting and existent just based on the principles of energy and matter. We can prove this through science because we know that matter cannot be created or destroyed. Energy cannot be created or destroyed. So we're all infinitely connected in that way. So being in the present moment and knowing that you are an infinite piece of this helps me have a little bit of perspective on how grand I truly am, but also how insignificant I am at the same time. That was kind of weird. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my God. So I don't know if y'all are still with me after all of that, but It's just been so helpful for me in my own self-work, so I wanted to introduce that here. If it's too hippy-dippy for you, that's fine. Take what works, leave the rest. Um, But I couldn't talk about thinking about who we are in the present moment without bringing that up because it really has been so beneficial for me. Now, let's go to some of the facts that we know about negative self-talk. I want to keep going on this kind of spirituality Uh, philosophical line since we've been here, I want to talk about the folklore concept of mother maiden crone, or I guess it's maiden mother crone. Um, This concept is also referred to as the three goddesses. Um, And it's been around for a while. I believe it was popularized by folklorist Robert Graves. And these are three archetypes of ancient goddesses that we see throughout different folklores, mythologies, things of that sort. Of course, the maiden is supposed to be this virginic, pure, young, youthful, lighthearted figure. 
mother, of course, um, is this like nurturing fertility goddess and crone is this goddess, um, think kind of like Hera almost that maybe never married, um, never had kids and crone is such a negative word, but I'm, I don't think it has to be right. I think we are socialized to think of a woman who never marries and doesn't build her own family as sad and as an old maid. But I think the crone figure for me has been extremely empowering in the sense that womanhood is not just hinging, doesn't just hinge on reproducing other things. It hinges on who you are as a woman. (laughs) Um, And womanhood shouldn't also hinge on your sexual status, um, like how Maiden kind of does and how Mother then hinges on the, like, producing a family. Crone is the only one that doesn't hinge on either of those things. And it's kind of this move beyond material definitions of what it means to be woman. But a lot of people use these archetypes to talk about us at a young age, then our middle age, then our older age, and how women and people tend to go through this kind of triad of growth. And if you're into these folklore concepts, definitely read more about it. A lot of, oop, knocking into all my stuff. A lot of people put a lot of weight into this concept and think of it as the foundation of different cultures and how it comes from matriarchal societies and it's founded a lot of Western or European thought around womanhood. For our purposes today, I think it's really helpful to think of it in terms of maiden as like your inner child and crone as the woman that you want to be. Wherever you feel like you fall within these three phases, being able to look back on your younger self and give her the love that she deserves, right? And then look back on your older, or look forward to your older self and think of her and act in accordance with how she would want you to act. I think when I get into this place of judging myself, it can be really helpful to look back on old pictures and think of how I'm reacting to them. For example, I'll look back on pictures from high school and be like, why was I ever self-conscious? Like, I was skinny, I was young, I was fun, I did all these things. But then I remember thinking in that time, I was horribly insecure and I was unhappy with myself a lot of the time. But looking back, I'm so proud of who I was and how I was. So knowing that, even in this moment right now, when I might feel bad about myself and start talking to myself negatively, thinking of future Reese looking back on who I am now in that same way, I'm not going to look back on myself and say, man, I wish I was 10 pounds lighter. I'm going to look back on myself and say, wow, she was a hard worker. She followed her dreams. She had wonderful friends and made great memories, right? So keep in mind that the place that you're in right now is not the place you will always be. Everything is impermanent. 
and we're constantly cycling through these different phases. On more philosophical thought, um, Rene Descartes. Most of us have heard the Cartesian saying, I think, therefore I am. But not very many people are familiar with where this phrase actually came from. So Descartes, one day, literally was like, okay, I have all these beliefs. I don't know if they're true, though. I've just been told they were true. Or my gut just said, like, yeah, believe in it. So he literally sat down, dumped out all the beliefs that he held, and then examined each of his foundational beliefs independently and logically thought through it. And when I say logically, I don't mean just using reason. I mean using the philosophical principles of logic, like the math kind of logic stuff, to work through and see if those thoughts actually made sense, were actually worth hanging on to. And so then he brought in all of his beliefs back after truly evaluating them. Through this process, he sat in isolation and just wrote stream of consciousness. And we have, um, it's called the meditations on a new philosophy, first philosophy, something like that. I'll link it. And he talks a lot about how he knows that he is who he is. And I think that that is just a big question mark for all of us, because even though Descartes obviously stumbled upon, I think, therefore I am. So I know that I'm a person because I have thinking thoughts. I don't know if that's enough proof for all of us to believe that it's like, yes, this reality I'm experience is firm and actual. Um, and there's no real way to prove it. At least we haven't found one yet. But that doesn't mean that it's not worth exploring and thinking about. And even if there is no way to prove that, I think examining, even if there's no way to prove that we are a real person in this lifetime, I still think we can learn a lot from what Descartes did in every thought or belief that comes up. Examine it. We lie to ourselves all the time. And if our thoughts are the main thing we have to prove that we know that we are real, we got to be kinder to ourselves and our thoughts, right? So philosophical concept. Now, scientific concept. We all know that our brains, our neurology is plastic or is um, rubber in a certain sense that it can be moved and morphed as we learn new things. Um, our brains are particularly plastic when they're young um, and we are learning just so quickly. Um, but the more we do certain things, the more that our brain learns how to repeat those actions, right? This is where we get muscle memory. This is where we get phrases that we remember and say really quickly or habits that become habitual. This is thanks to our brain's plasticity, which is wonderful. But this also means if there is a thought that you jump to extremely quickly, every single time you make that thought, it gets easier and easier to go there. It gets easier and easier to think it again and again and again. This is also why when other people tell us things, 
it becomes easier and easier to believe it ourselves the more we hear it, right? Because it is literally like a well-worn hiking trail being formed in our brain that now our neurons know how to fire that pathway so efficiently that it takes nothing at all to go there. So if your thought that you have is so easy for you to jump to, we really need to practice putting up a barrier before we even start going down that trail. So if you know that you have certain thoughts that are really easy for you to jump to, the science tells us that we have to practice stopping it before we even start going down that path because the more we do it, the easier it will be, right? One that I really struggle with is feeling like I'm not good enough. Or if I make one mistake, that that makes me as a whole person bad, unworthy, and unlovable. So I call it the unlovable trail, which (laughs) there are certain things that I think in my head that not until I am saying them out loud, I realize how crazy I probably sound to other people. But literally, in my brain, I jump there really quickly. And it's really easy for me to say, oh, I made this one mistake, I'm unlovable, my friends hate me, my family hates me. Thought spiral all the way down, right? Catastrophize, shame spiral, all the things. So now, when I realize that I'm going into the opening of the unlovable trail, I know what it looks like. I've seen these trees before. I've seen that rock before. I I know what it looks like in the spring, in the fall, in the summer, in the winter, we know. We know her, we've been here, we've walked this trail before, and we don't need to walk her again. So now I know what the entrance looks like. And sometimes my brain is running so fast, I can't stop it before it goes down the trail, right? But other times, I can. I can recognize that we're there, take a step back, take a deep breath, and be present with who I am in that moment and try and stop that thought from happening. I bring this all up to say that negative self-talk can be automatic a lot of the time. I do think that we can work on ways, on the things that are not automatic as well, but that most of us who struggle with negative self-talk probably don't even realize we're doing it and are just being mean to ourselves. (laughs) Like, off the bat, because those are paths that are well-worn in our brain from childhood trauma, from the way we were socialized, from being inherently anxious, whatever the reason may be, frankly, it doesn't really matter. I think a lot of us are taught that being self-aware is also being self-critical, and that's just not true. Those are two very different things, but it's hard to parse them out when you're alone with your own thoughts. So those are the facts about negative self-talk. If you've been listening to this and you're like, oh my gosh, yes, this is so me. I feel it. Great. I'm glad you're there. I'm right here. Well, I'm not glad you're there. I don't want you to have negative self-talk, but I'm glad you found this video and you're not alone. Um, But if you're like, I don't really know if I struggle with that or not, or you're listening to this and you're like, oh, this would be great for a friend, but I don't need it. 
Here are some signs that you might be struggling with negative self-talk that you may not even be aware of, but just some food for thought. Physically, you could find yourself nitpicking when you're looking in the mirror, right? Or trying on clothes or a new outfit. Um, You could also be struggling with consistent sleep. If your thoughts are racing before you go to bed, if you're being negative about yourself before you go to bed, it can really prevent that good sleep. Um, If you find yourself getting anxious and having like an upset tummy or a headache, or if you find that your breathing is getting more labored or it's really difficult to have a settled heart rate, those may be signs that you're struggling with being mean to yourself. Some emotional signs. You feel like you're more hesitant to take risks than you used to. Um, You're looking for things to go wrong. You're just waiting for other shoes to drop, maybe. Um, When you're with your friends or your close family, you're waiting for something you do to be received badly. Or you realize you're on guard, scanning for threats, right? Not threats in the sense like you're going to be attacked or hurt, but threats in the sense that, oh, they... Their tone is weird now. That was a weird look. Like you're constantly trying to make sure that everything is okay. Um, You find yourself coming up with reasons to reject other people's compliments, right? Like someone's like, oh my gosh, you look so good in that outfit. And you're like, oh, thanks. I, I just borrowed it, right? Something to undermine the compliment that is about you. Or you are really so talented and capable and saying like, oh, well, Actually, I missed a meeting the other day, like coming up with a reason for this nice thing that this person is telling you to not be true. Um, Yeah, those could be some emotional signs that you're being really mean to yourself. Now, social signs. Do you find yourself staying quiet in situations where normally you would speak up? Did you used to be the kid who would raise their hand in class and now you just aren't feeling like you want to as much? Um, you're more hesitant to open up to new people than normal or social media is more difficult to interact with, right? Now, all of these could be very normal for you and not mean anything, right? So that's why I think it's important to compare how you're feeling right now with how you usually are. We have to be able to identify when this is happening in order to address it, right? And I think most of us that struggle with it just don't know when it's happening, that we can be so brutal inside of our own brain, but that it's just normal because it is those well-worn paths. So after all that, if you feel like you have been struggling with self-talk, I'm right there with you. I have some things that I've been working on over the last couple of months that have been helpful. Some of them I'm still really working at. Um, And some of them I haven't been very good at and I'm still practicing, but other ones have really helped. So these are some things that I developed with my therapist and also some things that I developed on my own that I've realized really work for me. This is not to say that they're going to work for you, but this is to say maybe give it a try and see if you think that these things might be right for you. So really trying to tune the muscle, build it up, to be able to identify when that's happening is so important. Um, And I think the only way we can do this, well, maybe not the only way. I think one of the best ways we can do this is just to pay attention to ourselves and our body, right? What happens in your body when you talk badly about yourself? 
and start to pay attention to that. When you notice it happening, how does it feel? Do you clench your muscles? Does your stomach get in knots? Do you clench your teeth? Like what happens to you physically if you find yourself talking bad about yourself? What happens to your breath? Are you holding your breath? Do you start panting a little bit? Does your heart rate pick up, right? Like where where is that at? Um, I think it's also important to pay attention to the patterns around when we're talking badly about ourselves. Who are we with when we start talking badly about ourselves? Are you alone? Are you with your friends? Are you with your family? What are the groups of people that you find yourself talking badly about yourself more often than not with? Or is it when you're alone and you're allowing yourself to go there more, right? And then are there any specific topics that tend to spur negative self-talk? I know for me, there are a few things that I'm just like, it's just a thing for me. And in my brain, when it happens, it just makes it easier for me to go there. That may be true for you too. Um, So yeah, the best way to learn to identify when that's happening is just to pay attention to yourself. And this is a part of introspection that gets hard to hone. But the more you do it and the more you remind yourself to do it, the easier it will get to pay attention to. I promise. And also, this is not a selfish thing to do. It will take mental and emotional energy. It may take time away from other things that you love doing because you're spending more energy on yourself. That does not mean you're selfish. That does not mean you're bad. It means you are working on yourself to show up more authentically for the people you love. This act of taking care of yourself is also an act of taking care of the people around you. So keep that in mind. And then after you've been paying attention and you feel like you're honing these skills to know, oh, that was a really rude thought that I just had about myself. And that's happened a lot in this context or with these people or about this topic. And I get a headache after that happens, right? Maybe some of these things are happening, maybe not paying attention. Try and develop a system that works for you for addressing the negative self-talk. This can look like a mantra that you use to stop that thought, right? Like completely redirect the thought someplace else. A deep breathing exercise, um, taking a physical stance, like putting your hands really high in the air or doing a quick like one-two punch to break your brain out of that thought process. There's plenty of other things you can do. These are ones that tend to work really well for me. I love mantras. Um, I have a tendency to repeat words in my brain. So having other words to repeat that aren't, you're unlovable, you're unworthy, you're bad. (laughs) And it's, I am safe. I am loved. I am worthy, right? Like developing whatever mantra that combats those thoughts to really focus on and repeat in your brain Or if you're alone, you can repeat them out loud, which is kind of fun. I do this a lot when I'm driving. Again, another thing that now I'm saying out loud that makes me sound like a crazy person. But if you ever see me driving in my car and I'm like talking to myself, I don't close my eyes when I drive. I don't know why I did that. Don't close your eyes when you drive. But if you see me like looking like I am worthy, I am capable, it's because I'm literally repeating a mantra to myself because it helps break me out of this pattern. So I really like that one. There's thousands of other ones out there that can help. If you need help figuring out what works for you, definitely give it a goog. But these are just three examples 
um, can also look like doing a yoga pose or calling a specific person that can be your um, kind of accountability buddy for negative self-talk, right? If you and a friend are working on this together, there's a lot of things you can do to really try and stop that thought in its tracks. So I do have a couple affirmations slash mantras that I use for dealing with negative self-talk because like I said, they're my favorite. And when I say these, I'm going to give you a pause. And as you're watching, I want you to say them with me. If you're alone and you feel comfortable saying them out loud, do it. But it's also helpful just to say them in your head. So this is what we're going to do. I'm going to take a deep breath, say the phrase one time, and then I'm going to repeat it. And when I repeat it, I want you to repeat it with me, either in your mind or out loud. So here's number one. I am wildly capable of anything I set my mind to. Now with me. I am wildly capable of anything I set my mind to. Number two. I am grateful for my body's ability to keep my heart beating, lungs breathing, and blood pumping. Now with me. I am grateful for my body's ability to keep my heart beating, lungs breathing, and blood pumping. Number three. I am beautiful on the inside and out. Now with me. I am beautiful on the inside and out. Number four. With every deep breath, I inhale love and exhale self-grace. Now with me. With every breath, I inhale love and exhale self-grace. Number five. Being who I am brings others unlimited joy. Now with me. Being who I am brings others unlimited joy. Now our last one, number six. My gifts are unique and necessary to the world and people around me. Now with me. My gifts are unique and necessary to the world and people around me. I feel better. Do y'all feel better? I am going to make a post on Instagram about this too, but as I was working on that, like I said, I just felt after watching that video from Luna Nate, like this was a topic that really resonated with me and that I know I struggle with. And I think it can be a barrier to entry for me for doing this making meaning work. And I think a really big part of making meaning is taking care of ourselves because if we're not doing that first we can't help other people we can't make an impact you can't pour from an empty cup right like these are all things that we know you know this stuff I know this stuff this is like one of those reminders of just yeah yeah I know I know that but here's the science to back it up we know this about neuroplasticity in our brains. We know how it works. Here's the philosophy to back it up. We know that we are thinking, feeling human beings that go through the process of life and that there are certain questions that we can never answer, but that we are forever with our heads inside of our minds. 
So we got to be kind to ourselves. And then the spirituality of it. Maiden, mother, crone, we can love our inner child and also aspire to be our highest self without leaving room for self-judgment. Wherever you are, wherever this episode, either podcast, video, anything finds you, thank you for being here. I hope that this helps in some sense if this is something that you struggle with or maybe helps someone in your life or helps you understand someone in your life a little bit better. I think when we take time to really actually take care of ourselves and hone and nurture the people we are, the people we were, and the people we want to be, we will always make the world a better place. Taking care of yourself is a radical act of self-love and self-love is a radical act of rebellion in a world that can, su- <laughs> that can suck sometimes and tells us that we're not worth it. But I am here to tell you that you are. Period. You are worth it. You are worthy. You are not alone. And thank you for being here. I hope you feel like you are living more coherently. Hello everyone, I realized that I forgot to record an outro, so here I am in new clothing today, but thank you all so much for being here today and for listening and hanging out with me for a little bit. I would love for you to be a part of this conversation, so please head over to at The Cohere Collective on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, and Threads, and share some of your thoughts with us. Instagram is really the main place where we have conversations, but I would love to connect with you wherever you would like to connect. For more content, you can head over to thecoherecollective.com, check out our blog or plenty of other episodes we have up on this channel and season one that is on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Please subscribe to the channel, give this video a like, or subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. This is really the number one way to support the show. So if you've enjoyed this at all, please make your voice be heard. It truly means a lot. And I would love to hear your thoughts in the comments. Thank you to Tristan Morgan for making Meanings theme music. You can find him on Instagram at Tristan Morgan. And a big thank you to Nicole Ostriker for making Meanings podcast cover and art. And you can find her on Instagram at Nicole O Designs or Nicole O Creates. Right now, I'm feeling warm. (laughs) I probably shouldn't be wearing a sweatshirt in Texas summer, but here we are. Um, But I'm also feeling just grateful today for you, for this work that I get to do, and for another day of being able to live this awesome life. So thank you so much for being here, and I hope you feel like you're living more coherently. Love.